I'm excited about today. Because I'm in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 I have learned to be excited about the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm excited today. I'm excited about the word of the Lord that has been laid upon my heart for you today. I want to teach you some good stuff. How many of you like to know that if you get taught some stuff, you can apply some stuff when application is made? Then you can grow. And, uh, man, I like good preaching and stuff, and I like good teaching. And so, uh, if you have your Bibles, let's look in Luke uh, chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Amen. I want to start a, a little series called It Is Written. It is written because I want to teach you the Word of God. I want to teach you some principles in the Word of God. And if you know principles and you know basics, then you can build on that. How many of you know that? And how many of you know that God's Word is a foundation that won't crumble underneath you? Now, your faith may be crumbling, standing on a firm foundation, but his word's not going to crumble. It's not going to be weak. It's not going to give way. You know, on the farm, I've got this, uh, <clears throat> I got this big old concrete pad, and over the years, right next to a ditch, and over the years, the erosion has taken out probably eight or ten feet underneath that concrete pad, and, and I can stand on it, with a little fear and trembling. You know what I'm saying? I'm trembling and I'm in fearful, okay? But, you know, this, this 185 pounds plus. Everybody else is you plus. Why can't I see you? Plus, that's the blessed part of me. The other part, the blessed part, you know what I'm saying? My, 200, my 185 blessed pounds, which I'm highly favored in that area because it's like 225, you know, something like that. So, uh, in that range. But the other day, I had, a, had a, a tracker out there, and I thought, well, I need to get right down the bottom of that ditch, but I need to get right out there on the end of that thing to see if I can reach what I need to reach. Knowing that there wasn't much foundation under there, I did ask Jason to do that for me. I said, Jason, will you go down? No. <laughs> I didn't tell him the foundation. No, I didn't. So, but, you know, I was able to actually get out there and do what I needed. That concrete stronger than I thought it was. But it leans a pretty good bit. And, you know, the foundation I'm going to teach you this morning doesn't lean a bit. Amen. It doesn't roll off to one side. It's something you can stand on this good level ground that you can plant your feet in. So I'm going to teach you some things. God's doing some things in this house. And there's, we're going to see, and I've said this before, we're going to see signs, miracles, and wonders in this house. Yeah. We're going to see uh, people that's going to be delivered of demonic spirits in this house. We're going to people see people get saved in this house. We're going to see people get, get healed. Uh, we're going to see miracles. Now, I'm not much into miracles, and here's why. If you had need a miracle, guess what? You're in a bad state. Think about that. If you need a miracle, you're already in a bad state. We want to, we want to be able to walk in the blessings of the Lord. Amen. You want to walk in the goodness of the Lord, not, not be over here and have to have a miracle. And I'm all about that. He, he did that. Matthew 4, Luke, Luke, and all through the Gospels, he, he performed many miracles, and we have that same power. But I'm going to teach you some basics. How many of you know you got to, these are three things that I see Jesus did in his ministry in three years. These are three things. You, there's common thread in any of them. He taught, he preached, and, he, and then he healed. He'd done the work. That's the three things. Here's the problem where I think we lack in the church is we don't have the knowledge of what God says we can do. We've had some kind of hyped-up preacher somewhere come by and say this, and then we get all excited. But if the emotion is not there, if the crowd's not there, if the right worship team's not there, if they don't sing the right song, then God can't do it. Those things do not limit God. They limit you. You, you think God may not be here because you don't feel an emotional-type system but I'm here to tell you, God's here and he's available. Yeah. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. Okay? 
So let's, let's look at God's Word. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read four verses. I'm going to talk about the ne- over the next few weeks the three parts of it is written, and I'm going to break them down one week at a time, okay? And so today, um, Luke 4, 1, chap- uh, chapter 4, verse 1, I want to subtitle my message, Words We Speak. Words We Speak, Okay? Verse 1 says this, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Verse 4, But Jesus answered him and saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. One translation says every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We understand today as a a foundation that everything written in this word is breathed by God. This is an infallible, inspired word of God. One one, uh, preacher said it this way, you can say that the Bible has dual authorship. It was breathed by God, but it also written by man, okay? So there is, it's written by a man of him, but it was, they were breathed upon, moved upon by the Holy Spirit to write this word. So what this word says is what God would say to you if you were having an audible conversation with him. This is what he would say about your situation, about, your, about where you are in life, your circumstance. This, this word tells you what God would say. Amen. Okay, so it is important, or let me ask it this way. Is it important to be full of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Here's why. Whether you say yes or no, here's why it's important. Jesus was. You know, in in Luke chapter 3, just if you're in my Bible, on the page prior to, that's when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and filled him with, a, with this anointing. He was fully man, but he was fully God, but he needed the Holy Spirit. And he says, the word says that he was, uh, let's read verse 1, it says this, and then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. See, if you get filled by the Spirit, you can be led by the Spirit. Here's the problem. We, we, we want to be, be full of Jesus, but we want to be led by everything but the Spirit. What's inside of you is what you're going to follow. The Bible says that whatsoever man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you're not operating and, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going you're to have lots of room for doubt to come in against God's Word. And the Bible says that he was filled. I'm thinking if Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to need it. I'm going to need it. Amen? amen? If y'all amen me a whole lot, we'll, we'll, we'll get out here at noon. You don't amen me a whole lot when we're here at noon, okay? That's still another hour. I'm like one preacher, so I'm going to try to be quick and get you the information here. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, one guy said it this way. He said, the heart cannot receive more than the backside can endure. So I'm going to try to get with you. Get with it, okay? <clears throat> Jesus was tempted in verse uh, 2. Watch this now. We often think that he was tempted that he fasted for 40 days and he was tempted. But what's, look what the Word of God says. He was tempted for 40 days. Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He didn't, he didn't fast for 40 days and then was tempted these three times. These three instances that you read in Luke chapter 4, that's all that you hear about. But he was tempted for 40 days. And you get upset when the devil... You think the devil gave you a flat tire. (laughs) This didn't go right. For 40 days, most Christians, the people that I know call themselves Christians, if they had torment or temptation for 40 days, would leave God and run from him and say there's something wrong with him. Come on, y'all know those people. Amen. Jesus was tempted for 40 days. By the devil while he fasted. And the Bible says he was hungry. I'm with you, Jesus. I got you. 
40 days without food, I'm hungry. Fat man is hungry. Do you hear me? I mean, we, if this was the 40th day, y'all got to have another preacher because I'm going to be waiting for the restaurants to open up, okay? 40 days. He was tempted 40 days and fasted for 40 days. Look, in the middle, watch this, in the middle of your spiritual growth, now catch this principle, in the middle of your spiritual growth, the devil's going to hit you. When you're fasting, when you think you're the closest to God, when you're doing everything right, you got to, your prayer life's better than it's ever been, your fasting's better than you, you're reading your Bible more, when you're the closest that you can get to God, the devil will tempt you then too. I, don't want, I want you to understand that when you're, when you're getting ready to receive what God has already spoken, the devil's going to hit you hard. The devil, you know, they say it's the darkest right before the dawn. Look, it's going to be the hardest right before your breakthrough, right before you get into what God wants for you to have. That's when the, all hell's going to be unleashed on you. But the Bible never one time tells you to doubt. You're on a solid foundation, remember? <clears throat> Verse 3, we find this. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. In verse 3, Satan's number one strategy. You can write this down if you're taking notes. This is proven. I can prove it in my life and prove it in yours. Just number one strategy. Satan's number one strategy in your life is to get you to doubt what God's Word says about you. He's... You say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I believe it. Genesis chapter 3, the first person that was ever tempted by Jesus used this word, depending on translation. One says, hath. One says, did God say? Trying to put a seed of doubt in your mind. That's Satan's number one strategy because he cannot, he cannot go against, he cannot uproot truth, what God's word said. He cannot uproot it. All he can do is get you to doubt it. But when you start doubting God's word, then he's opened, you've opened the door for him to step into your life. And one small doubt leads to two small doubts, leads to three small doubts to lead to you to believe, well, he can do it, but it'll probably be over beyond for somebody else. Number one strategy, I'm telling you, gets you to doubt God's word. Now, Here's a problem. If you're not reading God's word, it's much easier for Satan to distract you from or to cause you to doubt because you're just going off what somebody else said or maybe what you had heard. You, you've got to get in God's word. Okay, I know this is good. This is some good stuff. If you get it, you're going to walk, up, you're going to walk in, a, in, a, in a realm of God that you've never walked in before. <clears throat> He'll get you to doubt what God's Word says about you, about your situation, and what God's promises are to you. If, if, you don't, if you're doubting these promises, these things God has for you, you don't believe they're true. If you don't believe they're true, you're not going to really go after them. If I told you right now, if I said there's... $500,000 in a suitcase behind that wall. If you really believe that there was $500,000 behind, that, well, right now, that this place would be empty. There would be hurt people in the stage. People would have broke legs jumping off the top trying to get through here. If you really believed it, right? You, that's a lot of money. I mean, if y'all... Y'all act like 500000 no problem. But it's a big deal for me. Look, I, I can get it by myself, okay? There is not. Nobody run. See, I didn't even have to tell you to do not to run and run back there because you knew it wasn't back there. But if I had to put it back there and then I walked out here in a few minutes after church, walked back and opened it up and said there was 500000 the next time I make some asinine statement like that, <laughs> boom, everybody's going to be gone, right? See, that's, uh, that's called believing when you see. 
Mark 11, 24 says, believe when you pray. See, we want it done our way. This, anyway, so let me move on. Okay. The word doubt means to be uncertain. You ever been uncertain in, any, in something in your life? Lord Jesus, all the time. I mean, it's like you do that and say, I don't know if I should have done that or not. Man, should I? Oh, sometimes I don't know if I should have said it that way. Oh, good Lord. I shouldn't have spent that or I shouldn't have bought that. That's what doubt is. It's an uncertainty. It's a small little word, but Satan wants you to doubt. Now, watch this. Satan always, here's some more notes. He says some good stuff. He's always going to attack in these tears. There may be more, but these two pretty much cover everything. He will always attack in two areas of your life. Two areas. The fleshly realm, Jesus was hungry. When did, when did he attack him with wanting food? When he was hungry. In the what realm? Fleshly realm. And the other area is in your soulish realm. Your mind, will, and emotions. Your mind, will, and emotions. Those two areas. He's going to attack you in your flesh and in your soulish realm. Mind, will, and emotions. You know, that pretty much covers everything. Because if he don't get you in the flesh, he gets you in the mind. They're equally as important. You know why? Because God made you with all of those. Do you know God made you with a mind, will, and emotions? He made it. So they're important. They're part of who you are. That's why Satan attacks you there. Amen. Preacher, you're doing a really good job. Well, just hang with me. Paul addresses the soulish realm, the mind, the, uh, the will, the will. He addresses the will, okay? Watch this. In, in Romans 7, 19, I'll read one verse. It says, Paul's saying this, For the good that I will do, not that I want to, but that I will to do, okay? I don't do that. But the evil I will not to do that I don't want to do, that's what I practice. The enemy will attack you in the soulless realm of your will. You won't want to, but you'll end up doing it. Okay? So the devil, look, he is a, he is a wise enemy. You hear me? He doesn't know everything about you. He is not omniscient like God. He doesn't know the future. He doesn't know that. But he has things called familiar spirits that will hang around you and report back, if you will, to the devil to know how to know how to affect you in certain areas of your life. I describe it this way when it comes to Satan and knowing how to bait you. He doesn't know my thoughts. He doesn't know out there, okay? He doesn't know how I'll respond. But it's like this. It's when you go fishing. And you put a certain bait on and you cast it out into Lake Chico. And you're fishing for crappie or whatever. I'm not a fisherman, so just bear with me. And you fish and you put on a worm. And you sit there for 20 minutes and you don't get a bite. If you're like me, I'm not sitting for 20 minutes, but you're going to pull that thing in. You're going to take that bait off and you're going to put on uh, uh, another bait, maybe a cricket. Y'all can tell I'm just old country boy fisherman, worms and crickets. It even gets worse than that. We have put vine and sausage on there, and it'll work too. Okay, so. And you would throw that out, and you'd reel it across. No bite. You, you get something else, and you get something else. And eventually, when you put that right bait on, and all of a sudden, that fish bites that thing. In your mind, that's the ticket. And what do you do? You keep fishing with that, don't you? That's exactly the way the devil works in your life exactly the way he works in your life. Young people, you need to pay attention to what I'm telling you this morning. That's how the devil's going to get. He don't know where you're going in your future. You're going off to college. He don't know what, what's really in your future other than when he sees you show up. But here's what he does know. That you're tempted. You're going to be tempted by something. He just don't know what it is. But he will throw that bait out there. He'll throw pornography out there. He'll throw drugs out there. He'll throw cigarettes out there, alcohol, whatever. He'll throw it in front of him. If you bite on it, he's going to say, I'm going to keep fishing with that. That's how the devil works. I'm telling you, this is just too simple. 
I'm hoping I open your eyes today and say, this is how the devil works. Well, if you're, look, if, if, you're, if you're addicted to alcohol, quit stopping by places that sell alcohol. There's plenty of places that don't sell alcohol. Don't stop down here at the County Line Liquor Store. Because that's primarily what they sell. Does it make any sense? If you're tempted by lust, cut that stuff off. Don't let it be piped into your house and thinking you're stronger than that. No, that's your best thinking got you there. Your best thinking got you into lust by watching it. When, nobody was, when everybody was asleep in the back bedroom, you get up in line getting cookies and milk, you and they're watching stuff. Come on, this way it works. You can't, you, see, that's not walking in the Spirit. That's not being led by the Spirit. As the Bible says, Jesus was led by the Spirit. You can't be led by other things thinking you're going to get the benefits God has for you. You can't walk in the fullness of God and be led by fleshly desires and, be fall, and fall to every temptation of the devil. My God, this is too easy. I read that and said, well, Lord, this is too easy. My grandbaby can get this. He said, that's why I'm giving it to you because you need it. I said, okay, well, I can It's just too simple, but we don't read God's word and dig into it and apply it to our lives. Let me move on. Satan attacked Jesus in the fleshly realm. Watch this. Since Satan tempted, he, he tempted Jesus, I can assure you 1,000% 1,000% you will be tempted. If Satan tempted Jesus, if Satan tempted the very first person on earth, the second person on earth, you don't have immunity. I don't have immunity. Temptations will come. What are you standing on? What you heard? Or God's word. See, if you if you only stand on the emotions, if you only stand on a on 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 a song only, if you only stand on what I say only, you're more susceptible to temptation to fall. Getting God's word. You know why we don't study God's word as much as we do? We're lazy. This is it. Well, glory. Preacher is doing, I got more amens while ago. Okay, here we go. So, let me get a drink of water. So, what does it mean when it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? What does that mean? How do I make application of that statement other than it just belongs to God and he's saying something back to Satan and, and okay, well, that was a good story, amen, let's move on. How do I take that phrase and make it applicable to me today? How does that work, okay? Well, let me help you. Bread will sustain the physical body. He was hungry, right? Bread, uh, meat, food will sustain the body. I promise you, after about 43 days, your muscles will be, you'll, you'll begin to eat themselves. Is that pretty close? Because you're going to run out of uh, the right nutrient, carbohydrates and amino acids and all that. They're going to start eating, the, your body will start eating itself. Okay? So you've got to have food to live. So I can tell if you're over 43 days old in here and everybody in here is, you've been fed. Amen? You've been fed some food so you can what? Grow, live. Okay, that, that, that's what... Is this that hard? Shannon said, that you got it up there, right? It, it, it's just so... Just, just, just. So you can live. All right. I like to live. I like food. Matter of fact, I'm gonna go, I love food. I love food in crazy proportions that I shouldn't like it in, but I like it. Because I, I want to live, but it just tastes good. 
And if we viewed God's word the same way we do food. Now watch this. I'm going to explain this. But it is the word of God that sustains the spirit man, the spiritual body, to grow. Want to know why you're always defeated? Well, watch this. I'm not a very strong person. But now if you go without food for about 43, 44, let's just say 50 days because you can still live at 50 days. But man, you're going to be extremely weak. Right? You're going to be extremely weak at 45 days or so. Well, it's no problem to defeat you. You've been 45 days without any physical nourishment to defend off things in the natural, in the physical. In the spirit realm, same thing. If you go 45 days without reading and studying your word, you're spiritually weak. When is the devil going to attack you? When you're weak. He did Jesus in the fleshly realm. I never, I try to, I never make a, a, a decision when I'm mad. I try that. I, I really, I mean, that is a practice. I, mean, I never try to make a decision when I'm mad because it's usually always wrong because it's from a wrong motive. It's from a wrong position. I'm not being spirit-led. Come on. This is good stuff, Jerry. If we can get this, man, we, you talking about walk, well, you talking about walking through the fire and not even being singed. We got to get God's word in us. Now watch. <clears throat> so you got to get in God's word so you can have spiritual nourishment. Spiritual nourishment helps you win spiritual battles. How many of you know what Ephesians says? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. It is most of the stuff you fight is not in the physical. It manifests in the physical, but it, but it started in the spiritual. So when it starts in the spiritual, manifests in the physical, if you haven't been in your word, guess what? You don't recognize it coming from the spiritual. So when it shows up in the physical, you recognize it as physical, and guess what? You get defeated. Right. Glory, preacher, that's good. Good stuff. So... Knowing that this bread alone, he said, you, you can't live. This is Jesus repeating to Satan when Satan tempted him. You can't live by bread alone, Satan, but it's everywhere that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Out of my mouth is what he said. That's what you're going to live by. Nobody in here is starving. Physically. But a lot of people in here are starving spiritually. So how do we, how do we change our thoughts? How do we get this thing around? How do we, how do we begin to uh, make a change in our lives? How do we begin to make this switch, this flip to, to walking in the spiritual side? Well, it starts right here. Jesus, give us an example. It's in the words. It is written. His word. It is written. Wesley, it's written. Not, not, not suggestion. It is written. All right. Are the words, here's a question. Are the words that we speak, let me say it this way. Are the words we speak, are they contrary to what God's word says? If the things that you speak about your life and the things that you, you, you speak about your situation, if they're contrary to what God's Word says, do you understand you make God's Word null? It's ineffective. No, but He's God. He can do anything. No. I understand what you're saying. He can do anything, but there's laws in place that He won't step over. I'll give you a quick example. Everybody knows it's called free will. I'll give you another one, Galatians 6, 7. For whatsoever man soweth. Well, let me back up. It says this, do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. You know what he's saying? You better pay attention to what you're sowing. And then he goes and says, for whatsoever man soweth, so shall he reap. If you think you're not going to reap what you sow, you know what he's saying? I won't be mocked. That's what you're going to get. There's a laws that he won't undo. Oh, this gets tough. You're going to learn a lot in the next several weeks. 
So our words, do the words you speak over your, search, over your circumstance, over your kids, over your finances, over your life, over your spiritual walk, do, do they nullify what God wants to do in your life? They will. You mean there's power in the words? You mean, you mean, you mean if I just speak something happens? No, I didn't say that. You can pray things. Sometimes you've got to put prayer on, on you've got to put some legs on a prayer. Lord, I want to. I want to have enough money to pay my bills. Well, you got to suit that prayer up with some willing hands to go to work. Then you got to suit your mind up with the ability to manage finances. And then you got to suit your mind, your emotions up with the ability to say, no, I'm not going to be sucked into going out when everybody else goes out or buying a new vehicle when everybody else is, so I can manage my finances so that I can attain what I want to obtain. Well, that's just good stuff. That's just too simple, isn't it? Sandy, it's okay up there. It's good up there. Amen. Proverbs 18.20 says it this way. There's two verses. 18.20 says this. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. This stomach, that thing that gives life to that stomach, you know, that's where food goes in and is digested and everything's released from, from, from there, right? All the good, good food and everything's processed and all that, and it works through the body, all right? And the Bible says that in that area, that's going to be satisfied from the fruit of your mouth. And it says from the produce, whatever it produces, from your lips, that's what's going to fill your stomach. That's what's going to fill you. So if you look at it in a kind of a metaphorical way, when you take the core of a person out, pretty, pretty much dead. So what's in you is what's going to produce the life around you. Let me explain. Let me, let me get to this next verse. Sure. Verse 21 says, death and life... There's options when you open your mouth. There are options for you. You can speak life or you can speak death. The verse before says whatever comes out of your lips will fill your stomach. I told you all ago, whatsoever man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think about you, that's the way you're going to react. If you think of yourself one way, that's the way you're going to always believe yourself to be. If you think of yourself as, uh, as poor and broke, you're always going to be poor and broke. Because rich people, and, and I'm not, y'all know me, I'm not prosperity, but I want you to walk in the blessing. Rich people don't think the way poor people think. Hello? They're rich, you're not. I mean, do you think? If, come on. Healed people don't think the same way of unhealed people. They don't. They're healed, you're not. There's something different. People who walk in an overcoming life don't think the, the same way as somebody who's defeated and beat up and beat down all the time. Is this easy or what? Depressed people don't think way people that's not depressed. Well, if they thought the same, we'd all be the same. Come on, this is just too easy. Man, this is good stuff. You, can you tell my frustration? I've been getting a hold of something. I'm thinking, Lord, this is, wait a minute, we, we've been, oh my God, this is too easy. Well, glory. Y'all don't shout me down in the Presbyterian church today. <clears throat> Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Don't raise your hand. Don't say that's me. But if you walk into a conversation and people are spewing negativity, uh, backbiting, divisions, uh, all that negative stuff, and you say... Man, let me get on what y'all talking about. Glory to God. 
Tell me I didn't get you far. Tell me I didn't tell What's that third part again? Who is this? And you get all involved in that. You love that kind of stuff. Guess what's going to show up at your house? The same junk that you participate in. What does it say? And those who love it, either death or life, power of the tongue, and those who what? Read it. Love it will eat its fruit. There's only two things he's talking about here, church. It's either death or life. Woo! Believe it or not, what you say about yourself, your circumstances, your friends, your church, your finances, your consequences has everything to believe, has everything about what you believe about what God's Word says about you. If you believe God's words was good and his promises were yes and amen, you wouldn't be walking in the negativity. You wouldn't be saying, woe is me, I'm beat up, beat down. I, don't know. I just hope I get to drag old broke leg up into heaven. No, I want to be leading the caravan up there, man. I want to be marching in saying, Lord, look what we've done. Come, glory to God. Well, I quit there because I'm hoping, I'm hoping by the looks on your face, you're just soaking it in and it's getting in your spirit. <clears throat> Remember, it is what God's word says, not what you think it said. It's what God's word says, not what you think it said. Here's what God's word says about you Psalms 107, verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. In verse 20, and he sent his word and healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. That's what God's word says about you. Here's what it says. It's, God will pull you out of your troubles. God will heal you when you're sick and God will deliver you from destructions. That's what God's word says. But if you speak trouble, sickness, destruction, that's what you'll end up receiving. Because you're going to what? You're going to be filled with the fruit of your lips. But if you know God's word and you get in God's word and you begin to stand on God's word and speak God's word, guess what? You're going to be filled with that too. What do you want to die or you want to live? I like to live. I like it. Come accustomed to it? Like it. Like it a whole lot. Want to keep doing it till, till the end, Okay. I, I, want, I, I want you to be healed. I want you to be prosperous. I, I, want you to, to be, I want you to have joy and have an unspeakable. That's what I want. I want you to be overcomers. I want you to be able to handle problems and attack problems in life. And I want you to overcome them and not be beat up for the next seven weeks. I know there's trials and things that come at us and they, they get us down. But, but look, I'm telling you, we need to get in God's Word. We need to get in God's word and see what, what does God say about this? Preacher, I just don't believe that. Amen, you don't. You're right. I, I didn't make a mistake. You don't believe? You're right. You don't believe it. It's not going to work for you. It, it, won't, it won't work for you. You won't believe, I wrote this down, showed it to the guys this morning. You won't believe God's promises if you don't trust Him. Amen. You won't believe a promise of somebody you won't trust. Never will. You will not believe a promise of somebody you don't trust. And if you don't believe God's Word, and I, I, I love you because I want, look, I'm tired of the devil beating up the church. I don't want to, I don't want to be, a, I don't, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to, I'm so, I'm so passionate about what I'm teaching you. If you don't believe God's promises, 
It's because you don't trust him. That's tough. Oh, preacher, I, I do trust him. Do you? With what? Salvation? Well, you ain't got to prove that. You don't have to prove that. You understand that? You don't have to prove that. No, nobody's going to... Salvation? You ever talked to anybody that went there and come back? You ever, you ever talked to anybody that said it wasn't? That it wasn't there? Has anybody ever talked to anybody that said heaven wasn't there when they, they went there and came back? Anybody ever done that? Anybody in the balcony? No. Well, how do you know it's there? How do you know it's there? The Word? You, 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 you read it? How do you know it's got streets of gold? How do you know there's no sickness there? How, how, how do you know there's no sorrows, no tears, and there's no darkness? How do you know that? You read it. It's God's promises because it hasn't happened yet, right? It's not a promise that have already happened. Think about that. It's not a promise if it's already happened. It's something that happened. So you just simply what? Read it and you believed it. So how can you take that and just read it Confess to the altar and say it's real without saying all the other promises God has for you is real. Same thing. You're only reading them. Here's why. Because here you've got to walk an overcoming life. People are looking at you to see if you're going to walk in an overcoming life. They're looking at you to see if you really are healed. They're looking at you to see really if, your, if your marriage really is going to make it. They're looking at you to see if you really are prosperous in your finances and doing well. They're looking at you to see if you really are an overcomer. And so, in our defense, because we want to defend God's Word just in case it's all. Well, let's just don't go down that road so that we don't have to put ourselves in a pickle and at least defend God or defend our position of why it's not working yet. Does it make sense? You catching it? It's good stuff. I want to tell you, you don't have to defend God's Word. You've got to believe it. That's the biggest problem I believe in the church today. We want to defend God's Word instead of believe it. His word does not need to be defended. His word needs to be lived out and trusted. Because if you don't trust it, you ain't going to live it out. Come on, it's impossible. You're not going to live it out if you don't trust it. You're not going to trust the promises of somebody you don't trust. You're not going to believe in it. I'm going to hurry. I want you to go into overload. Isaiah 26, 3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, oh, that's that soulless realm, pop back up, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted you. So it's what the psalmist is saying. You're going to keep that person in perfect peace Whose what? Mine is stayed, is fixed, is focused on you. What's it? And then it, what's the last part says? <clears throat> because he trusts in you. Man, this is good stuff. You mean I don't have to be confused all the time? I don't have to be in fear all of the time? No, no you don't. If you believe God's word, it says if you stay focused on him. I didn't say you wouldn't have a fearful moment. I didn't say that things would come by and shake you a little bit. I, I didn't say that. There's, there's th- you, know, you get a phone call on your, on your heart. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how to walk through those things. But our mind, when we leave this church service, this is a, a Barner Research study. When you leave this church service, within 12 hours, you're only going to remember 50% of what's said. 
And 12 hours from that, or 24 hours from that point, in other words, you're going to only remember 25% of what was said today. How in the world do you expect to get? Look, we're just into Monday. <laughs> and you only remember 24%. Most of you don't even know the title. You can't remember the title. You can't even remember the passage of Scripture at, on Monday. You got six more days. That's why you got to get in God's Word. When you're going through and you're about to fall. See, Jesus didn't try to come up with something crazy. He didn't try to shout around on one foot and stand on one head. He, just said, he didn't even try to speak in tongues. He said, it's written. It is just written. It's just written. What does that mean? It's just written. Well, it's just words on the paper. If you don't believe it, you're exactly right. It's just words on a piece of paper. But if you believe it, it is life to a situation. It is life to your finances. It is health to your marriage. It is, it is health to your bones. It is health if you believe this word. There's not but two things that can come from it, and that's life and death. And we as a church are trying to make some middle ground. It was told to me not long ago, some people were talking about uh, that there's a narrow way and a gateway and that they're off in the ditch. They're going to hell. There is no ditch. It's a straight, narrow way. It's a wide way. The Bible says if you follow the blind, both of you fall in the... And contextually, that is not a good place. That is not on your way to heaven. There's no ditch. It's like driving in the media on a four-lane highway. That's just so stupid. You can say, I'm on the interstate. Well, I guess technically you are. But you're in the ditch. You're not going anywhere. You're stuck. I think that's where the church is. We've got a four-lane highway paved with the promises of God. Paved with the written word. It says, this is what you can be if you follow me. Yet the church is in the median. Stuck on a, over a drain somewhere. Spinning our wheels. Waiting for the, someone, the wrecker, to come by and pull us out. And we're blaming God, Miss Fonda. Well, God, why am I here? Why am I here? Well, God never told you to drive in the ditch. 40 feet this side, 40 feet that side, there's a concrete two-lane highway that gets you to where you want to go in a timely fashion and for some reason we're in a ditch I always used to thought it was so stupid years ago if you if you you remember when they first come out with the four lanes they wasn't everywhere like they are now some of the young, young generation it used to be two lane that's all there was and they would have signs that says no driving in the median I was a young boy when I first, I was 14, 15 when I learned to read, so I was young. No, I'm kidding. No driving in the median. No driving. I wasn't a real sharp guy. But I thought to myself, I said, Self, why would somebody put up a sign on a perfectly, in between two perfectly paved roads and tell somebody, don't be driving in the median. I was a country boy. Look, if you, had a, if you had a graded gravel road, you thought you was uptown. But you got on a four-lane, you thought, oh, my God. And then I thought, you know, is there people dumb enough? I mean, did they really put that sign because they caught somebody trying to drive in it? They're dumb enough to drive in the median and they need to tell them, hey, these are the parts you stay on? I know I'm simple in this, but I got to thinking about that when I studied this message. 
I don't think we're dumb. We're dumb, and we don't. We should be told. We shouldn't. Uh, we do. We need to be told not to drive in the media. I don't think we're so dumb that we are told that we need to be told we need to read God's word. I just think we're lazy. I'm with you. Look, I ain't calling you lazy. I'm saying we. I want, I want you to walk in, in the abundance of what Christ has for us. In all areas, all areas. If you need healing, I want you to be healed. If you need a financial break, I want to help you with that. Look, he ain't going to rain it down from heaven. You've got to get up off your blessings and go to work. Okay? You've got to manage. It's not, it's not going to be rained down. I don't believe in that. I do not believe it. Don't ever say your preacher says, I think you know that by now. You go to work. You manage. I'll, I'll help you manage. We'll show you how to manage. We got wonderful people in to help you. Help you be very private about your finance. Help you manage your finance so you can move forward and be blessed in that area. How many would like to be that? Hey man, I, I, I hey hey man, I'm blessed. I want to be more blessed. Amen. If I want to know something about finances, you know what? I, I don't I don't catch the guy riding that walked down the street and rides a bicycle. Ask him about, about about his finances. Hey hey, can you tell me about investing? Chances are, he don't know. He's riding a bicycle. Does that make sense? Why would we not go to the source that's going to bring us up rather than down? Well, that sounds good in the natural. Well, what about in the spirit? It comes down to one question. Do you want to grow spiritually? You can take all the stuff I've said today and sum it up one question. Do you want to grow spiritually? If you don't, that's fine. If you do, you got to get in God's Word. Man, this is good stuff. Y'all believe this is good stuff? Amen.